All right, episode 28, Jens Fudge, author, choose to be a winner. This is the first installment of a series of mental management podcasts talking to you um, about Jens book, about how you need to start the approach to a proper mental game for competitors, you know, and just, just overall bow hunting as well. Um, everything is about the process. And we are starting this series along with the Coach Talk series about the triggerless archery shot as well. So do you want to follow that up and check that out? Um, now remember, Patreon members of the Barebow Project get exclusive ac- access not only to be present during the live recording, but also other content and discounts from our sponsors. So consider checking out our Patreon page, maybe becoming a contributor for all of this free content that gets put out there to help you with your archery game. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Barebow Project. This is a sort of something new um, that, let me mess around with my screens here a little bit. Um, This is a little bit of a different style, I would say, of a podcast because I'm working with um, our previous guest, Jones Fudge. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much. Um, He's been on the podcast before and, you know, we exchange messages pretty often. We wanted to do like a mental management study group type deal. Just, I think it was just bad timing. Um, Something that we still may may ponder in the future depending on how well this goes but Mm -hmm. our goal with this little series so this is a mental management series essentially for bare bow archers right absolutely yes that's what it's for yeah yeah i mean we're 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 gonna run through the book in a couple of different episodes and kind of take a slow you know 35 45 minute progression of of this book because, and I've seen since we've become friends on social media and have crossed paths with a couple of archers and stuff like that, I'm seeing more and more success stories coming from your way. And um, so how about give everyone a quick rundown, who you are, what your archery experience is, um, where you are. I mean, I know all this stuff, but and um, essentially why you wrote the book, and let's dive right into it. Sure. Well, um, my name is, of course, as we've already said, is uh, Jens Fudge, and I, uh, I'm a Danish archer uh, living in Denmark, and well, the um, background of my story with uh, when it comes to archery is uh, back in 1987, yeah, I'm that old, uh, I picked up my first bow, and uh, a friend of mine was telling me, I, you have to go to archery. So I, I went to archery and I picked up a bow and I shot a few shots. And then I kind of got stuck with it because that was really, really, really fun. Um, and that was in 1987. Now, um, what you cannot see uh, when I'm sitting here on my chair is that I'm also disabled. I've got really bad feet, so I'm eligible for the para-archery. Um, so in 1990... Uh, three years after I shot my first arrow, I was selected to go to the World Championships for Disabled. Uh, I actually shot pretty well, but I the feeling that I had while I was at the uh, World Championship was 
this was not going as well as I wanted it to go. And I figured out later that this was because I did not have any experience at all with the mental management stuff. So basically I was nervous, uh, a kind of uh, really, really bad uh, case of the shakes and everything uh, stood there with the uh, jelly legs, like you've all uh, been trying. So I <clears throat> picked up some books from the local library. This is, was back, uh, back when uh, there was no internet, so I couldn't search anything online. So I had to go to a, uh, there was a thing called a public library where we had dead tree versions of stuff that you now search on. Uh, I read these books about mental management. They helped me some. Uh, they weren't, not, weren't really, really good, but they were pretty okay. Uh, but I, I kind of dived into what mental management was. And then in 91, I won the European Championships for Disabled. And in 92, I was also go, uh, uh, selected to go to the Paralympic Games um in spain where i also got the gold medal so uh, and i of course put a lot of that into the mental management stuff so well around 10 years ago something some people asked me to do some workshops about mental management so i started to do a little bit about that and then i forgot about it again and then around a couple of years ago another person asked me if i wanted to help uh, with uh, coaching some kids for archery, uh, not necessarily only barebow, but for all archers, it's the mental stuff is the same, whatever kind of bow you shoot. So, so that's what I, <clears throat> that's what I did. And then I said, Oh, I actually have some success here because I helped a girl uh, who was 12 years old at the Nordic uh, championships. Um, and she actually finished off with shooting three X's with a longbow and three, sorry, two X's and a 10 with a longbow in the finals round. And it was four to four before the, the last end. So, so um, two X's and a, and a 10 with a longbow is really, really awesome. I, I would wish I would, I would be able to do that. Anyway, so I thought I'm going to write a uh, pamphlet or a leaflet about this stuff. And then I reached page 25 on my, off my leaflet and thought, well, this is more a book rather than, um, <laughs> rather than a pamphlet. So that's what it is now. It's a book and I've created also a website for the book with some audio files that uh, you can download to aid yourself in in the uh, mental training and management system and that's that website is uh com. now just skip the www that's old stuff but just uh, choose to be a winner.com and then go take you straight to it yeah well i posted it in the comments on the youtube chat so that all right people can uh, just kind of click and go um yeah, and you know, I had finding finding a similar situation with the book I'm writing uh, in regards to this triggerless shot process and the tensionless mm -hmm. shot process, and and I started out at first it was supposed to be just barebell, and then after working with other shooters and working with Coach Larry Wise and a few others, you quickly realize that this approach works for all archery. It doesn't matter. And it's kind of the same for you with your mental management. You know, yeah, shot Olympic recurve, and then quickly realize, whoa. This has an effect on all of archery. It's not just a style, because um, mm -hmm. it's it's a change. It's a change in your approach to us. You know whether it's a shot process or a mental, the mental process. Um, but what you know, I think you and I have definitely um, agree on on some things when it comes to they parallel each other in many ways. And oh yeah, absolutely. You have to. Um, you can't you can't address one without the other so mm -hmm. 
why don't we get into this first part of the series of, of, of the mental management series for Barebow Archers with your book? And why don't you dive into um, how, where do you start? That's, I guess that's really the, that's really the notion because a lot of people don't know where to start. Where do yeah. you start? What's the first step? And then where, how do we proceed from there? But the first thing I would recommend anyone is to actually start by uh, putting some uh, planning into your training and into your competition. Because if you just go to an archery uh, field uh, in your club and you shoot, uh, let's say, 100 or 200 arrows, it doesn't really matter. If you just shoot 100 arrows without any thought to them at all, you're going to be better. You're, of course, going to improve. You're going to improve um, over the uh, course of the time that you're doing. But at some point in time, you're going to reach a plateau. And I, I don't know of anyone who has not experienced reaching the plateau if they are just shooting uh, lots and lots of arrows. Of course, you will improve, as I say, because you're going to be more stable and uh, you're going to make things um um, more repeatable and making things more repeatable, of course, improves your overall stability and overall shot. But I really think that you, you need to um, put some thought into your training. So you actually have to plan your training. You have to plan what are you going to train, why are you going to train and all that stuff. Um, when I, I have a, a, um, once a year, a friend of mine and I, we start up a small course for um, some youth archers that are going to the Nordic championships here in, uh, in the Nordic countries. And one of the things I almost, almost uh, start by asking everyone is what, is, what is your goal in archery? What would you like to achieve? And everyone, actually, I've got a funny story here, but everyone, almost everyone, everybody say, Oh, we want to go to the Olympic Games or the World Championships and we want to win. So that's a fine thing that everyone wants to do. Everyone, of course, wants to do it. And the funny thing here is there was one girl last year. She said she wants to be the Danish champion. She was already the Danish champion. She was already a national champion at, uh, for youth. And everyone else was going for world champion. But she didn't want to be a world champion. She wanted just to be a national champion. That was her top goal. So she didn't want to go any further than that was, which I think was very, very insightful of her own capabilities and her own uh, desires. <clears throat> but anyway, um, Getting back to a goal being uh, uh, selected and or even winning the Olympic uh, Games or the World Championships or whatever level you're at, um, I would say there's a difference between a goal and a dream. Now, because, um, yes, it could be a goal to go to the Olympic Games, but it would probably for most of archers in the world be more a dream than a goal. I mean, let's face it, there are 64 archers in, in the men's division and there are 64 archers in the women's division, and that's it. And then there's another shot four years later. So we're many thousands of archers, so I think it's more of a dream than it is a goal. So I like to distinguish between what is a dream and what is a goal. And uh, having done that, now I can uh, start by saying, okay, but my goal might be something smaller or what what goals do I need to take as step stones to actually go and fulfill my dream? So if my dream is to go to the world championships, maybe I need to figure out, okay, 
if my dream is to go to the world championships, which step stones do I need to take in order to actually accomplish um, going to the world championships? Um, a lot of uh, things are, are given uh, here because, well, to be able to go to, to the world championships and Olympic games, you have to be selected probably by, uh, or we have to qualify and world archery will probably set the, uh, the qualification um, scheme up for you. So if you don't qualify at the qualification tournaments that world archery say, well, then you're not going to go to the Olympic games. So step one is, okay, make sure I qualify. Step two is, okay, which tournaments do I need to qualify for the Olympic Games? And so I figure out which tournaments they are. And then you have to kind of backtrack it from there and then keep on uh, making these um, smaller step stones and smaller step stones and smaller step stones until you actually get to where you will probably have some influence because, of course, um, going to the um, World Cup something final in some place, it's not entirely up to you because your country has to select you to go there and so on and so on and so on. Okay, but I also actually distinguish between um, when you do have a goal that is a smaller thing than a dream, um, you can, of course, work for accomplishing this goal here. And that's where I want to break it even uh, into even smaller bits, because um, my goal could be I want to win the next tournament that is here locally, because that would be a stepping stone to get to the larger tournaments like the national games here in, in the country where I'm at, which would be a stepping stone to and so on. And finally, the Olympic Games or the Olympic Championships. Uh, sorry, that is games. Um, <clears throat> and what I would do is. Yeah, so my goal could be I want to win this local championship or this local tournament. But that's not really a really good goal because I really don't have any influence on winning a tournament. I can shoot my shots as well as I want to do, but I'm not in charge of, of winning or not winning any given tournament. Let's say my goal would, say, uh, would be to win the next tournament here in, in the local region. But all of a sudden, the Norwegian and the Swedish and the German and the British national teams all decide to go to this local tournament here. Right. That will, that's out of my control. So a goal of winning something, it is a goal, but it's kind of a, a ranking goal, I would call it. So a specific ranking place is a goal, but it's not really something that you can try to, to accomplish. Uh, you can still shoot your shots as as well as you want to, someone just might beat you. Right. And of course, that means there's something even smaller that you can go for. And something even smaller that you can go for here would, would then, then be, okay, then I want to shoot a certain amount of points at a given tournament. So a given, to, a given tournament could be a um, standard Olympic round for uh, whatever kind of bow you're shooting. Uh, so that's 72, uh, 72 arrows and maximum point is of course 720. So let's say my goal is I want to have 600 points at this uh, tournament. That's a better goal than actually finishing uh, in, the in top five or top three because 650 points is uh, something that you might 
uh, be more or less in control of. But you won't be control of the points if it's belting down, right. because then you probably won't hit the target. Or if it's a hurricane, then you probably won't hit the target very many times, or probably be a bit more spread group than than a, a normal group if it's uh, a nice warm sunny no wind stuff kind of so that is a what i would call a performance goal which is measured by results and it's still not really a good goal but what would be a good goal is a process goal so what i want to do as an archer what i try to teach everyone is make sure that you shoot your shot make sure that you have focus on executing your shot and then the arrow will probably hit somewhere if you're focusing on hitting the shot the same time or the same way every single time then your arrows are going to end up in the same place anyway and then it's just a matter of adjusting uh, where you want to aim uh, either with a sight or with the arrow tip or whatever you use for aiming that's a good goal because now I can say I want my goal for the 72 arrows to be 50% of them have to be shot full focused. Now that 50% does sound a bit uh, low, because, um, but believe me, 50% full focus shots is hard, especially if we haven't had this kind of, uh, of assessment before. Uh, that's a, that's, um, that's a mouthful, um, but it's so true because shooters, no matter what the discipline, obsess about the idea of winning mm-hmm. or the idea of um, placing on a podium or something like that, but they don't focus on the process of getting there. Exactly. And that's where that's where especially with kids where we where kids oftentimes lose the focus because they had a really great startup honeymoon period to their shooting everything was going great and and because their brain wasn't naturally trained to focus on the process because they because the joy of winning can overcome the joy of doing a thing Mm-hmm. they start to focus on the joy of winning and then when they don't get the joy of winning they um they forget they kind of forget about the process and then start focusing and that's what happens in verbo you know yeah but that's also why and you'll you if anyone has listened to our podcasts and we always talk about that's where shooting form sort of shooting shooting form um, and sort of like a, a, a defined shot process comes before the notion of mental management. Like if you have a raw shooting form and you shoot okay, and you think that just taking or studying some kind of mental management is going to help you get better, there might be some improvement, but until you really refine the shot process yeah, exactly, and know every nook and cranny of your shot process, mm-hmm. what happens when your fingers stick too long? What happens when you collapse? What happens when you pluck? What happens when everything? Yeah. And, and the, the, have the ability to have the confidence that when that arrow 
goes errant in some way to know whether it was you or you need to look at the bow and then mm -hmm. how your response, what your response is to that. And, you know, I, it's definitely, and I've played around with different shooting forms and different shooting styles. And obviously like with the getting my level four, I really dove into the NTS stuff and, you know, bare bows a finicky thing. So like I try to explain to people and I guess the way we all have our description of like the mental management stuff and well, the way that I describe it when like I do my uh, advanced bare bow shooting seminars coming up as I run through what I call the, the foundation of the mental game. And mm -hmm. instead of it being and I, I actually like draw an illustration but you have individual blocks within the foundation and every step of your shot process is defined in one of those blocks. And some blocks might be a little bit bigger than another one. Setting your hook is part of the foundation of, of you know, yep. Yep. of the, uh, of your mental game. Your stance is a block within that mm -hmm. mental game. Um, your response to a not so great arrow is a block in the mental game what is your response going to be um so it's i usually, just, I, usually um, I usually um think that uh and say that um the skill the combined skill of a of any given archer at any given competition or wherever you are is is combined of a lot of different things so of course you need to have a, a relatively good bow and some relatively good arrows that are fletched properly and your bow has to be tuned and you have to have some sort of talent if there is a thing called talent you have to go training and so i kind of feel think of this as a lot of building blocks like lego bricks or something and yeah. the taller that you can pile up your lego bricks the better you're going to be and that's by adding all of these things together Mm -hmm. And one of those building blocks is the mental process that is going um, uh, to affect you quite a lot during whatever games you're at. And especially, and, and you're absolutely right there, Frank, because especially at higher level tournaments, that is where I feel that the uh, mental uh, management really, really, really goes to work. Like, for instance, the Olympic Games have just finished. And I'm pretty sure that the 64 archers on the men's division and the 64 archers on the women's division, they're all at more or less the same level. They all have the top-notch quality gear. Everyone has two bows. Everyone has loads of arrows. Everyone is fully prepared. And it boils down to whoever is mentally prepared the most is probably going to make. Of course, you can be unlucky and you'll uh, lower limb can snap but whatever <laughs> we won't talk about that <laughs> um, that's true yeah <laughs> yeah i mean but even in that circumstance you know the foundation of your mental game is mm -hmm. going to dictate how you respond to a situation like that it is yeah equipment failure is i went through it in indoor nationals in 2019 and it was like it was detrimental because it was the first day I shot a 276 first half. Um, and my second half was just, I had to, tr and I was in such a good place mentally. I was shooting so mm -hmm. well yeah. and um, my rest broke and I had to try. I stand it. I remember I've told this story before I'm standing behind. I'm Elton Wong is standing behind me and I shoot a group, literally three arrows like this in the four or five ring. Mm -hmm. And 
I was like, oh, and I look at my rest and my wires way down and um, it, it just was just a nightmare. So I had to then respond to that. I mean, that's the first time that I can honestly say in my adult life that when you're a kid, that stuff doesn't affect you quite as much. At least I don't think it does. You're just like, eh, whatever, you know, that's, but what's first time like in a substantial competition where something like that's happened and you have to maintain your composure through that, Mm -hmm. especially so you know if the equipment is part of the problem now moving forward or is it you? And it's just, it's a very difficult thing to do, but it's a, it is a pre-tournament mental commitment. It's a, in the moment, the present process of shooting that arrow, like it's a mental commitment from the first arrow, all of your practice ends to, to the last. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, I, I just, yeah, that's such, that's such good information. And I, I think, how do you feel like, there's a lot of people out there that, that identify coaches as either like a form coach or a mental coach. And I kind of, in my opinion, I think they, I think that all coaches in some way are both. Mm -hmm. I know I don't refer to myself as a form coach and I don't refer to myself as a mental coach. I definitely refer to myself as both because in my opinion, they are intertwined. Of course they are. Yeah. You know, how, how, how do you feel like, how does, how do you feel about that? Like, do you, you think that, I know, you, you know, do you think that you almost have, you have to address both at the same time, always? I, I do address both at the same time, more or less. But um, as I was uh, telling you about uh, 10 minutes ago, a, a friend of mine, uh, Dennis Bayer, um and myself, we have this uh, once a year, we start up a new group and we meet every uh, once a month, something. And we are, he is much more experienced in being a form coach. And he knows way more about the equipment than I do. I'm much more experienced in being a mental coach. And I know way more about the mental stuff than he does. But we, of course, are kind of overlap each other because it's not that I, I can't, I can, I can of course see when uh, when someone uh, loses uh, wrong or the 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 finger is slipping or whatever, uh, and of course I know the basic steps or and, and probably even very nicely the the good steps of 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 uh, of a good shooting form, of course yes. Uh, so we help each other and but but it's kind of him that's more in the uh, in the form stuff and, and I'm more in the mental stuff. So uh, of course we uh, overlap each other. Well, I guess I guess it definitely um every coach has their maybe has their niche or there's a few Mm -hmm. that are able to sort of uh, I guess address both you have situations Mm -hmm. as a coach where you have to learn to address both um like college coaches um team coaches you know especially when you're working with kids specifically you definitely like in in the United States Joe ad programs or, or classic 3d archery programs they 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 don't have mental coaches. You're a coach. No. You're a babysitter. You're a coach. You're a mental coach. You're a yeah. parental figure, guardian, kind of all. It's all all encompassing. So yeah, you know you're. That's unfortunately you have no 
choice but to learn to address and and be able to explain and talk about all of them um we have a, a it makes sense to know so something about all of it it does really make sense of course and even being an, an archery coach you, you still have to know something about weightlifting how to build muscle yes. because you don't want to build muscle to be a bodybuilder by shooting archery because that's just going to hurt yourself you want to have lean muscles that are able to draw your bow 300 times a day because that's probably what you're going to be doing so so you need to know how do i do that you need to know something about nutrition you know what kind of food am i supposed to eat is it is it okay for me to eat a chocolate bar just before finals or is it not okay for me to eat chocolate bar just before finals so you have to know a little bit about everything yeah that's oh gosh that's so true and i think that's um i think that's a a small a small section of the mental game that's probably not discussed enough and and it's like nutrition Mm -hmm. and taking care of your body and how that Mm -hmm. can have an effect on on your ability to control what's going on in your head um but yeah, and we can we can we can dive into that stuff a little bit more, you know, later on down the road. Maybe we can get into a little bit more detail on on what we're talking about now. Mark Elam commented um, on our YouTube live here, and uh, Mark is a he's a collegiate coach, and he, I think he also has an S3DA team as well. Uh, and he said, "Do you feel like getting form correct first should be completed before starting?" before starting work on the mental game mm. um why don't you respond to that and then i'll just because uh, i think they i think they coexist but why don't you respond to mark's comment well i would say that yeah before mental the mental game is is uh, really relevant you have to have at least some basic kind of form because if you're kind of shooting three arrows and they're all shot completely different it doesn't really matter what kind of mental state you're in so yeah but as soon as you get to a certain level you're going to have to make sure that everything follows so you have your nutrition you have your cardiovascular exercises you have your muscle building you have everything and it has to follow and of course um, by planning your your training also um, you need to you need to know your body and your and your capabilities enough to know oh, when should I train my muscles? When should I uh, shoot a lot of arrows? When should I uh, shoot lesser arrows? Right. For instance, when I was um, preparing for the Paralympic Games in 1992, I knew because I had been studying my own uh, training, I had... Uh, Every single time I'd be out training, I would I would write down how many arrows I was shooting, what kind of condition I was shooting them in, was I happy, was I unhappy, and everything. I would note down everything I could because I knew that I would be able to use that information at um, some later time. So I figured out by looking at my training journal and looking at my tournament results that two or three weeks before a big tournament, I had to drop down in how many hours I was shooting per day. And I keep it at a lower level. Now, I, as I do say a lower level. Uh, at the time, I was, I was shooting three, 400 arrows a day uh, for preparing for the uh, Paralympic Games. But two, maybe three, two and a half weeks before, I dropped down to, say, 100, 150 arrows a day, which is still a lot, but... But it was it was under half that were what I was normally shooting. Yeah, that's and that's called periodization, where you 
um, you go on mesocycles and you start at a high volume, you know, four or five weeks out, and then you cater, you yeah. taper toward with the volume of arrows down as you get closer to the tournament. And then what that mm -hmm. allows you to do is to physically and mentally heal, essentially, yeah. allows yeah. your body to, it's, and it's not just the, the physicality of it. It's also because you feel like you should be shooting more. You want mm. to shoot more. You so there, yeah, there's that internal desire that I want to be shooting right now because that's what I've been doing for the last three, what, three months, whatever, yeah. two months, yeah. one month, whatever it is. So that when the tournament comes, like there is a mental and you can call it a placebo if you want. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, there's a mental advantage to that. It, absolutely yeah. not an archery thing everyone like as you guys watch this that is an that is an athletics periodization is known especially for olympic weightlifting which is where i learned it mm -hmm. it's it is not just an archery thing it's not an archery concept i mean it is but it's known across all athletics oh yeah for sure and that's yeah, why so. that's one of the reasons why you know yeah so exactly when i was at the when i was on the field at the paralympic games i was ready i was hot i would i wanted to shoot i wanted to shoot now so, so just give me a green light and i'll be off shooting so yeah yeah and that's that's significant and just to i want to i do want to go back to mark's comment um you know it when I'm teaching a new shooter or I'm working with a new shooter on a new discipline or whatever the, the situation may be, the very first step of setting the stance, you're already working on mental game because you're mm -hmm. driving home the message to them that that stance must be consciously set every single time correctly, that mm -hmm. the hook must be set consciously and correctly every time. And then the grip yeah. immediately after setting the hook the grip is set every single time. And yes, that's some NTS stuff, but it, it makes sense. Set it, get it done, set it, get it done. So you don't have to make any changes as you race to draw. Um, yeah. But like, like those are, that is part of the mental game is doing those things the exact same way every single time. And for mm -hmm. those of you, cause I posted in our group about a tr uh, the triggerless shot because i know like there's nobody that's like that i know of that's effectively teaching the bear like a bare bow triggerless shot that is uh, like authentic like you're holding and you're just allowing you're you're holding at full draw until that conscious the subconscious switch happens and you kind of let go of the control and it's and i know it's some people I struggle with it because they're still trying to control everything and they're still yeah. trying to make the shot happen instead of allow the shot to happen. Mm -hmm. um, um, but anyways, uh, I look, so Mark responded. So it looks like Mark's Mark's point is covered, but long story short, like when it comes to that, like this stuff, those steps, those, in, those little details, play a huge role in that type of shot process if you aren't taking those steps you don't have the knowledge or the confidence like we talked about real early on in this podcast about 
how you need to approach your shot literally from the moment that you pick up your bow and stand and split the line between your two feet. You don't have the ability to address those things and do it as so close to identical as possible every single time. Then worrying about mental game is not what you should be worrying about. You should be worrying about the repeatability of your shot. Yes. Yes, exactly. You know, um, uh, um, and to follow up on that, I would say that even at the larger tournaments, being able at that moment, like like for the first time you're at a year, this happened to me at the World Championships uh, in 1990. I knew my shot pretty well. I was able to repeat my shot pretty well. But as soon as I was at the uh, World Championships and especially at the finals, when I picked up my bow and I put my hook on the string and I pulled back, it didn't feel right. It did not feel right. And I, I looked and I, was, I could not figure out what was going on here. It, did, it just did not feel the way that I, I was used to it feeling. So um, that's what made uh, me shoot... Uh, not only, but that also is what made me shoot uh, not so good as I would normally expect myself to do because I was trying to compensate. So maybe it's the grip that's wrong. The, the grip didn't feel right. So I was trying to compensate where the grip was. My hook didn't feel right. So I was trying to compensate where that was. My anchor point didn't feel right. So I was compensating five or six different things at a time, which is changing basically everything in my shot. And that's why I didn't hit this, the same spot that I would normally hit at the level that I was or, or feeling that I should be at. Yeah. And I've later on figured out why. And this is because when you're nervous, you have adrenaline pumping into your body. Mm-hmm. You have your, uh, your heart rate is elevated. So I, I watched on the Olympic Games just now that the, uh, that the average heart rate was around 150 for people standing still shooting a bow and the heart rate should not go over of 80, I think, for people that are, are um, more or less athletic, uh, athletically um, um, uh, in good shape. But their heart rate was at 150, and I'm betting you there was a lot of adrenaline in that blood. Oh, yeah. And adrenaline has the effect that it actually affects your feel in your fingers and your muscles. So that's why it doesn't feel the same. So what you need to do there is now to start trusting that I can put my hand in the grip of the bow like I normally do. It doesn't feel the same, I know, but it is the same. I just have to trust myself on that one. Yeah, oh, that's such a good point. That is such a good point. I had a, a little bit of a different experience. It's probably the first time also as an adult that I was ever in an elimination uh, match. Um, and it was the Lancaster Archery Classic, but I was shooting Olympic recurve. And um, I was shooting against my now good friend, Joe McGlynn. And Joe's for years has been top 10, top 15 in the country with Olympic recurve. You know, he's my age, maybe even a little bit older. And, um, you know, he's just, you know, the guy, the guy kind of gets, he's like fine wine. He gets better with age. And we're shooting head to head. Didn't even know I was shooting against him. I was just nervous and but mm-hmm. the only thing I knew is that my shot was best if it was w- within like a three to four second window. Once yep. I got, once I got to, got to anchor and I just needed to make, I needed to get through the clicker and make the shot happen. 
And I didn't even think about anything else. I didn't look at anything else. I didn't do anything. But what I did do is I just ran my shot and it was just boom, boom, boom. They did not feel good at all. They did mm-hmm. not, what's the word? Um, they did not feel like my good shots. They didn't feel like my practice shots, but you know, they landed in the middle. And I shot exactly because, two X's because you were doing the correct thing. Because you just needed to, like at that point, the only thing I knew is if I got, to, for me to get through the clicker and have a good shot, it needed to be within that three, four second window. And it, it felt like I was, you know, just, I just pulled, yanked right through it, but everything yeah. finished good. Yeah. And, you know, that was kind of my first experience realizing, holy crap, you just have to trust. Like your subconscious definitely takes over some in those. And that's what makes Barebo, to, and to try to tie that to, to Barebo. Mm-hmm. That's what makes Barebo so difficult because our subconscious is a wonderful thing, but only at the right time. Yeah. You have to consciously be into the shot. Yes. You know? And I think there's, there's some misconceptions and we're going away from mental game a little bit, but I want to touch upon it because we hear shooters like Brady Ellison talk about trying to shoot like he, he shoots a lot ton of his shot process is subconscious tons mm-hmm. of it more than anybody probably because mm-hmm. you can you in your subconscious you can fix multiple things at the same time you can you know go shooting off of that feeling allows you to make some changes the struggle in barebo is that our subconscious also wants us as soon as the tip of the arrows to get there to let go so oh, we, yeah. have to, we have to stay out of our subconscious up into or sort of at a specific moment, stay out of our subconscious while we are just allowing the the hold to happen at full draw and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's having to go back into the mental management side of things. You have to have that trained and you have to be confident in your ability to do it. I yeah. mean, we've watched target panic just completely collapse people. Mm-hmm. And it's because you haven't trained it enough. You can't, you have to leave. I said it to somebody else in one of my, my Instagram story the other days, leave no, no rock unturned. Go after every ounce of your, whatever your goal is, like you talked about, leave no rock unturned. Make sure that you've trained everything. You've shot every arrow you need to shoot to prepare. You've shot every yeah. drill you need to prepare. You yeah. You know, there's just it's so many aspects to it that we could probably go into later on in an episode. But um, let's see here. We have That's a- what I found out at the uh, World Championships in 1990. I, I was not prepared completely, but I was at the uh, Paralympic Games in 92. I was completely prepared and I was absolutely 100% sure that I had done everything that I could possibly do to be the best archer that I could be. Um, we have a, uh, a another comment, uh, yeah, and it's Christina Gilvecchia, Dol Gilvecchia. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, Christina. If I am, if I'm not, I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll survive. Um, it says, I find that archers are too often told to separate mental and physical processes. Um, thoughts like breathing are always there both subjects must be introduced in the simplest way at the start oh so it's not really a question but a comment and and i think yeah i don't i don't know um 
about archers necessarily separating mental and physical. I think they, I think the mental is sort of built on top of the physical in some ways. Um, So yes, I, I don't know if that would be a separation, I guess in some ways that is a separation, but you're, uh, we talked about it already. Um, You know, it's you're you're building the mental game off of your confidence and the ability in your physical yeah you know so they because that's a thing that like in those moments of high personal value like larry wise who i'm sure you know if you know of or or those of you out there may have heard of he doesn't talk about the word pressure he kind of says like pressure isn't a thing it's actually self-inflicted it's not it is it doesn't it's not real they're just moments of high personal value that we get energized and start producing endorphins and, and our blood pressure goes up and we get excited. Mm-hmm. So those are those moments of high personal value are what we allow to affect us. But if we stay the course of what we've trained and know, those moments of high personal value are still of high value, but we approach them differently. Yeah. You know, oh. So I'm, I'm, I agree totally there because, um, especially at archery, because uh, it doesn't really matter who I'm shooting against. Right. I'm still in control of my shots. And if I was shooting against Brady Ellison, who was one of the best archers probably in the world at the moment, um, it should not affect me that he hits the 10 every single time at all. Uh, I should still be shooting my shots yeah. um, the best of my ability, but I would probably be, kind of intimidated by shooting against a really, really, really top archer. And that's actually another thing that I want to make people believe um, uh, because it's true. If you do get selected to go to the Olympic games or the world championships or the European championships or national, whatever, they have to meet you as well as you have to meet them. Because if you get selected to go to the world championships, it's probably because you're one of the best archers in the world. Yeah. So take that confidence with you instead of saying, Oh, I have to meet all these archers from all over the world and they're all the best. Yeah. And they have the same notion about you. So you are one of the best too. And take that confidence with you. Yeah. We have a, another uh, comment um, says, what are some examples of non-score based mental game goals besides focus on every shot? If you're having trouble with a certain step in the process, you know, won't a goal on that lead to overthinking that step? Um, I think what Rob is that Rob uh, is asking or talking about is just being too analytical sort of about their shot process and not, it sounds to me, Rob, like you haven't really trained it enough and you don't trust your shot process. If you're, you know, so there's, like I said, there's steps and I think coaching would probably help you. because you have to know the right things to focus on. Like I hear people talk about, like they focus on their back tension and I don't think you really do because we shouldn't be, I'm not going to be careful how I say this. I, I, I guess everybody has their own approach to what they focus on and what works best for them, but you also have to know what your weaknesses are. So if you're constantly only focusing on one thing, you're opening the door for an error in other places. Mm-hmm. You, you, so when you're training, you can't just train to focus on back tension. You need to train 
the the bow arm you need to train the ability to relax at full draw you need to train your release your um you know your full draw alignment your body position afterwards you know your tension and direction your all that stuff like you have to train it all you know so is it's not so much non-scored stuff um you can't focus on score and that's that's probably the other thing like the score on the scorecard isn't a isn't a measure of the person that you are it's just a measure of the arrow that you shot so you know so i mean that's that's definitely um something that's that's a mindset thing that you have to change and focus but what i i have i have the controversial i have a controversial thing to say and one is um you as an archer are not in control of where your arrow hits period you can do whatever you want to do you're not in control of where your arrow hits you're in control of how to shoot your shot and then the arrow will hit somewhere but you're not in control of where the arrow hits it's 50 meters away so how can you be in control you're not and that's the thing that i need uh i that's the thing that i want to uh, uh, stress out and make make clear to uh, all archers is that if you focus on your shot, then it will hit the middle. If yeah. you focus on hitting the middle, you're going to mess something up, and then it's not going to hit the middle. Yeah, I, I I say I say it in a similar fashion. I say or I tell shooters that I work with, the the bow itself shoots the arrow perfect every time. The bow doesn't yeah. mess up. Sure, no. there could be some tune issues. But mm-hmm. that's, again, like the bow itself does not make a mistake. We do. So yeah. your form and shot process should be built around not interfering with the bow. Yeah. So the more simple, uh, and I always say it, less is more in bare bow, in archery in general, but especially bare bow. Mm-hmm. The less your bow arm moves, the less your release hand moves, the the um all of that stuff make it simple so that Mm -hmm. it's repeatable um you know i i teach very specific things that ensure that you sort of have like a draw check for your alignment and stuff like that as a coach you know you you got to come up with that stuff you have to come up with ways that you know that your full draw position is perfect every single time that your anchor is perfect every single time mm-hmm. that's where blind bail blank bail shooting at no face on the target um the shooting drills the best drill that's on our youtube page like there's there's a plethora of of things that you can be doing to train all aspects of your shot you know and you focus on those things during the shooting so that the score doesn't matter Mm-hmm. was that was that is that a fair assessment was that the way you would ex, you would agree it's probably it? exactly the same what i feel yes yeah we and you and i have had exchanges online like when mm-hmm. people would post something or comment and like you could see that our our brains were very close and to the way that we were thinking or approaching or responding to it yeah. you know and and that's that's um yeah i think I think that there's definitely more to be said there. And I think that as we kind of go through the book and, and maybe talk about, you know, 
um, other aspects of like actual programming and, um, you know, how that leads into confidence, how, you know, external things that affect your mental game, you know, like hotels and travel and bills and jobs and this and that and all the like we can get into that maybe on on another on another episode or as we move yeah. through this series so um if you guys i think i think that's good i think we did good for a first you know kind of a first section of of this mental yeah. management series yeah. yeah so let's 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 go with it there um i'm gonna leave this live feed up so that the comments remain um if you guys have that come back and watch this and want to see more um please you know don't hesitate to comment and we'll we'll try to uh interact with those comments on our youtube page for those of you who listen to this um on our podcast platforms you can also come back to the video portion and um comment and ask questions interact with our guest here um, and myself, like I said, this is sort of, um, you know, uh, this is coming from a coaching, maybe, maybe in some ways from a form and a mental coach perspective discussion. This isn't, while it's a podcast, we, we just want to, we want to open the dialogue of mental management and how you guys can um, apply it to your barebow archery because it's a missing component. And we have a lot of people who are worried about their tune. They're worried about the mental game, but they still haven't learned how to keep all their arrows in the seven ring at 18 meters with a bare bow. And you're, you know, a lot of times we're chasing our tail. Let's stop chasing our tail and let's focus on the right stuff. Um, all right, sir. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. All right. Awesome. I'm, I'm kind of excited for the next one now. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you everyone for checking this out. Thank you to our sponsors. Um, um, Paul uh, Yager at Yager Archery Products, Eric and Tracy Yost, AAE, um, XS Wings, Mr. Ben Starr, and our new sponsor, Lancaster Archery Supply. Um, I'm excited that they've come on board to support um, the Bearbell Project. So we have a pretty That's cool great. thing coming with them, um, which is exciting. And, and Lancaster has been good to us. They've been good to Bearbell. So I'm excited to, to have them on board. So for all of you, make sure you go and take care of our sponsors. Don't forget, we have um, a Patreon membership. The Patreon membership gives you exclusive discounts and content and stuff like that. Um, for our sponsors, some of our sponsors, extra sponsors like Whiffler Industries and a few more that are coming on board. Um, so like all of those, there's there's extra opportunities there if you become a Patreon member of the Barebell Project. So check that out. That will be in the details of this video as well. So um, we told you where to get, um, choose to be a winner. Anything else, sir? Well, I'll just show what it looks like. This is what the book looks like. So uh, if this is the book that you're finding when you're Googling it or whatever, then you got the correct one. Yes. Let me, uh, all right. That's good. Yeah. Well, uh, I, and then you can see it. We were staring at it over your shoulder the entire time too. So it's, Oh yes, of course. That's the Danish version. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. You can get the English version. And for those of you who are stateside here in the U S you can get it directly from Lancaster archery or yes. order it directly from, uh, Yen himself. So, 
All right. Or from Amazon. Or, or from Amazon or from wherever. Um, of course, we advocate order from Lancaster or somebody else. Sure. Because, you know. Get it from Lancaster. That'd yeah. be good. <laughs> Support Archery because Archie supports you. Um, yes. All right, everyone. Thank you all for joining us. And you, sir, have a wonderful day. We'll see you on the next episode. Yeah, same to you. Thank you very much for uh, having me on the podcast. Absolutely. See ya.